Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Up front next, breaking news. Fonnie Willis fighting back. The Fulton County DA taking the stand in her own defense and ripping the Trump legal team apart. Will the judge let her stay on the case? Plus, Trump's first criminal trial date is set, beginning just weeks from now with a verdict in a criminal case as early as May. Michael Cohen, a central player in the New York hush money case, will be out front tonight. And new details this hour emerging about what may have caused the deadly mass shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration. I'll speak to a man who was shot along with his wife and child, what he saw just before the gunman opened fire. Let's go out front. And good evening and welcome to a special edition of Outfront. I'm Erin Burnett and the breaking news tonight, I'm ready to go. Those are the exact words of a defiant Fonnie Willis. She is, of course, the Georgia DA overseeing Trump's election interference case. And she took the stand for hours today in a high stakes hearing, which just ended. A hearing that focused on her relationship with Nathan Wade, who is her top prosecutor in the Trump case. And it was a show. Trump and his allies' lawyers pried into salacious, deeply personal details in Willis's private life, and Willis did not back down, turning the tables on them. I'm right, Bill. It's, it's like a, a woman doesn't have the right to keep her private life private, and I'm speaking on this because there have been all these in, intimations. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. That is, though, exactly what Trump's legal team wanted, which was to put Willis on trial, hoping that if they can get her disqualified, that will sink her case, which is into election interference to try to overturn an election. Now, to be clear, the allegations against Willis are serious. If a person hires somebody they're dating to help them financially using taxpayer money, that is serious, extremely serious. It would be disqualified. The team Trump did not provide any evidence that Willis did any of that. And of course, we do know that Willis only hired Nathan Wade after several others refused the job. But that did not matter when it came to the humiliating questions posed to Willis today. She asked when the romantic relationship ended. That's the question. It sometime in, um, I'd say late summer of 2023. So I don't believe me in, um, so this is what you're really asking about. This is the salaciousness of all of this, right? No, I'm just uh, asking about your really, romantic relationship. When you stopped dating. I, asking. I, I think that me and Mr. Wade, so he's a man. He probably would say June or July. I would say we had a tough conversation in August. And so that men in relationships at the end of physical intimacy, women in relationships when that tough conversation takes place. And where, um, when did he come to, I guess the condo, I'm not sure what you called it, condo apartment. Um, would he come and stay at that condo or visit you there? I'm sorry, visit you there. What condo, what apartment, I want to be clear. So, not your house. I know you classified one as house and one as condo, so I'm trying to use those terms. So, um, but there's been more that, see, what you don't understand is because of this case, I got to move. 
And so I, Ms. I Mercer, if you could ask a more precise question. Yes, please give me the time period. That <laughs> Mr. Wade visits you at the place you laid your head. When? Has he ever visited you at the place you laid your head? So let's be clear because you've lied in this, this. Let me tell you which one you lied in right here. I think you lied right here. No, 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 no. This is the truth, Judge. And this is, it, it is a lie. It is a lie. Mr. Sena, thank you. We're going to take five minutes. Trump's team is obviously trying to make the argument that Willis financially benefited from the investigation into Trump and should be removed. But Willis, again, testifying under oath, said that she did not need Wade's money while discussing the relationship. Did the forthcoming indictment have anything to do with that? Ooh. Or was it just a coincidence? <clears throat> Mr. Let's go on and have the conversation. I'll just ask you whether or not it was a coincidence. It had absolutely nothing to do with this. It's interesting that we're here about this money. Mr. Wade is used to women that, uh, as he told me one time, the only thing a woman can do for him is make him a sandwich. We would have brutal arguments about the fact that I am your equal. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. And so there was tension always in our relationship, which is why I would give him his money back. I don't need anybody to foot my bills. The only man who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. Is there anything else you would like to add to that? No. Sure. But I'm sure we'll talk about it further. Well, see what I said? To be clear, what Trump's team wants to discuss has nothing to do with the actual facts of the case here, right? The facts of the actual case, the heart of all of this, is whether Trump and his allies, uh, it's about election interference. They repeatedly tried to overturn this election in Georgia in 2020. Nick Valencia is out front. He is live in Atlanta to begin our coverage. Nick, I think just from what we played there, anybody who didn't have a chance to watch throughout the day understands this was an incredible moment. And it is not like something anybody in this country gets to see in a courtroom on a regular basis. A stunning day. Uh, Fonnie Willis takes the stand uh, and, and all of this happens. You've got some new reporting. What are you learning now? Well, Aaron, it was stunning to see the DA on the stand today. And I just spoke to Bishop Reginald Jackson, who spent the morning with Fonnie Willis before court. He prayed with her and he said he wanted to offer her words of encouragement. And to him, he said, Fonnie woke up ready this morning to testify and eager to meet this head on. But still, it was just so surreal to see the DA up there taking questions from defense attorneys. Fonnie Willis went out of her way to say that she wasn't the one on trial, but there were certainly moments during today's hearing where it sure felt like it. I've been very anxious to have this conversation with you today. So I ran to the courtroom. A defiant Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis, taking the stand today after weeks of fighting allegations that she personally benefited from a romantic relationship she had with Nathan Wade, the special prosecutor she handpicked to spearhead the sprawling racketeering charges against Donald Trump and his allies. I probably had some choice words about some of the things that you said that were dishonest within this motion. So I don't know that it was a conversation. As you know, Mr. Wade is a Southern gentleman. Me not so much. Willis not hiding her anger over the allegations, at one point being called a hostile witness by the defense. I very much want to be here, so I'm not a hostile witness. While both Wade and Willis have admitted to the relationship they had, they say it began only after Wade took the job. That timeline also a major point of contention in the hearing today. Before Willis took the stand, 
The first witness of the day directly contradicted Wade and Willis's previous statements to the court. You have no doubt that their romantic relationship was in effect from 2019 until the last time you spoke with her. No doubt. That's three years earlier than when Wade said in an affidavit the relationship started. But Wade holding firm to that date when he took the stand. 2022 was the start of any intimate sexual relationship with the district attorney. As did Willis. When did you start dating? When I started dating Mr. Wade? Mm -hmm. It was right around then. Um, April 2022? 22, yes. It was around then. I don't know, like... You know, it's not like when you're in grade school and you send a little letter and it says, will you be my girlfriend and you check it. And then there's the money trail. Defense attorneys pressing on whether or not Wade paid for Willis when the two vacationed together, trying to suggest that he used money he made from his taxpayer-funded contract at the DA's office on Willis. Both maintain that they split their vacation expenses. So all of the vacations that she took, she paid you cash for? Yes, ma'am. Willis confirming the same in her testimony. Because we went out multiple times, that probably went to the level of more than $100. But if, if we're doing tit for tat like that, I probably paid for as many meals as he paid for. And so I did not receive any gifts from him. And at times, forcefully pushing back with the defense attorney who first launched the allegations. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. Today's hearing got deep into the personal lives of both Willis and Wade, with at one point the district attorney throwing Nathan Wade under the bus for allegedly making sexist remarks. Willis's testimony is expected to continue tomorrow in the 9 a.m. hour, but Aaron, we are not expected to get a ruling anytime soon. It could be days. Judge Scott McAfee, who's presiding over this case, is not expected to make a ruling from the bench. Aaron. All right. Thank you very much, Nick. And uh, on this incredible day here, Daryl Cohen is with me, a former Fulton County prosecutor. He knows both Bonnie Willis and Nathan Wade. Also with us, Karen Freeman-Nifilo, Ryan Goodman, and Laura Coates, who is outside the Fulton County Courthouse. So, Daryl, let me start with you because you know both of them and you know Fonnie Willis well. Did you expect her to get on that witness stand and do what she did, to be so defiant, to push back time and time again? She didn't let anything go. Aaron, this case never ceases to amaze me. It's a case of first impression that us lawyers like to say, but the reality is it's never happened before. And I watched Fonnie walk into that courtroom. And she was walking in hot and she pushed back. I'm not at all surprised. I felt like we were watching a heavyweight fight where Ashley Merchant was swinging hard and Fonnie was swinging back just as hard. But the bottom line is, does it matter? Does this take anything away from the facts of the case? My answer is it does not. It's a sideshow that has legs for the moment. Well, and it's important, I think, that, that you know, when you say that, a, a sideshow that has legs for the moment. And Karen, from start to finish, Willis uh, called out. She clashed with the defense attorneys. Let me just play some more examples, including some of the ones that we just briefly saw there. It's ridiculous to me that the you lied on Monday, and yet here we still are. It's a lie. That's one of your lies. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. No, 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 no. This is the truth, Judge. And this it, is it, it is a lie. It is a lie. We're going to answer it since you said it. Don't be cute with me and then think that you're not going to get an answer. Is your anger justified? 
I think so. I think what was lost today was the legal standard that the defendants have to meet in order to get the case, get her disqualified from the case, which is, is there an actual or perceived conflict of interest, one that would, has, has to do with money and, and a relationship? But, but we didn't hear any of that. For example, we didn't hear anything about who approved of the vouchers that Wade submitted and his timesheets and all of the things that you would ask if you're really trying to discuss the financial relationship. And this just devolved into a salacious, uh, private, deeply personal uh, attacks on on. Fonnie Willis that just really seemed irrelevant uh, to such an extent. It was, I thought, I thought that was a, a real sideshow and, and not a lot came out that would actually disqualify where they could have asked a lot of those questions right. to establish that relationship. But, but that, none of that was, there was, was didn't seem to be any attempt to do that. In fact, Correct. there didn't seem to be any attempt. And Laura, Fonnie Willis also brought up race multiple times during her testimony today. Let me just play some of that. When you meet my father, he's going to tell you as a woman, you should always have, which I don't have, so let's don't tell him that. You should have at least six months in cash at your house at all times. Now, I don't know why this old black man feels like that, but he does. Wade had a form of cancer that makes your allegations somewhat ridiculous. I, I do appreciate the characterization. I'm not going to emasculate a black man, but I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm sorry, what? I'm not going to emasculate a black man. Did you understand that? Laura, what did you make of that? And how do you think that played with Judge McAfee? Well, clearly she was intimating something about their sexual interactions or lack thereof as a result of some physiological condition. But I think what was clear here is they were trying to establish how to define a relationship and sort of the Clinton-esque what is is, right? What is a relationship? Was it romantic in nature? Was it personal in nature? Was it sexual in nature? There are many times during the course of the conversation where they seem to be skirting around the issue of what it meant to stay the night, what it meant to be involved romantically. And she was quite direct at different times during her testimony. But just think of the weight of this moment. Erin, can you imagine Jack Smith testifying on the stand while he has an active trial and indictment against a former president, let alone over a dozen other defendants for an election subversion case, having to testify on the stand about his sexual relationships, and then seek a jury who is going to be able to be impaneled in this matter. It's a really stunning development. The fact that she took the stand was a little bit shocking because it seemed as though the judge appeared to be leaning against even forcing her to do so because he was saying, given the testimony you've already had today, please tell me what Fonnie Willis can provide that's distinct from the testimony. What were the conflicts at issue here? At the end of the day, keep in mind, Aaron, the standard by which you move to disqualify somebody on a conflict of interest is that their behavior, their conflict, their relationship is such an extensive thing that yeah. it would render the, it impossible to actually give a defendant a fair trial. They didn't establish a through line today about where the money was coming from and that yeah. it was a singular and source or that she financially benefited, and that's the standard. Right. As I said, Laura, it didn't even seem that they tried, but it sounds like from what you're saying, when you bring up yeah. the, can you imagine this happening to Jack Smith? I mean, just to be like very blunt about this, do you think they were doing this because they felt that she was a target that they could, could, could hit in this way and disqualify because she's a black woman?
I think it had its elements of massage noir, as we say, to think about that very intersection. I think they assume that she is a target. They want her to be um, targeted in this way. She has spoke about her safety concerns. Right. Certainly they're wanting to shame her, as she has said, intimating that she had sexual relations with a man the very first time she met her. She, that was a very offensive statement to her, she says. They were trying to do that. I think that at the end of the day, as you keep saying, the goal of this hearing does not appear to be simply to find that through line, but it's trying to discredit them. And I think if you are a prosecutor in front of a jury eventually, do you want the jurors to be looking from you to your counsel, wondering about your sex life? No. You want the right. facts and the allegations and the evidence to stand for themselves. That's right. And it would appear, Ryan, I mean, that's, that's what they're trying to accomplish, if not to actually prove any kind of malfeasance or anything that would have her disqualified, but to humiliate and shame and impact the case. I mean, they did, you know, you'd have to prove, as Laura says, a through line. You'd have to prove that, you know, she was dating him before. She hired him just for this purpose so she could pay him off and they could get them all that. No attempt to prove that. The only time they this even happened was a former employee testified Willis and Wade were involved much farther back than they have both testified to being under oath or any evidence exists of them being involved. Um, and let me just replay some of what she said. The situation happened that wasn't my fault. And I, I either was going to resign or be let go, so. You understood that that was the situation. You could resign or you could be let go. Correct, yes. You were not welcome to stay. No. Um, so that's, that's, she admitted to leaving the DA's office on bad terms. She admitted to um, that, that, and then she's the one making these allegations. This is the only witness that is even offering to try to say that this started earlier. Is this legitimate? It's not a very strong <laughs> uh, basis. And in fact, Fannie Wallace at one point even says one witness does not make for disqualification. And the witness is not that good. Um, so she didn't have very many specifics. Well, I wouldn't say many. She didn't have specifics. Yeah, she had none. Yeah. Like, when did, when did you hear about this? Don't remember. When did it start exactly? Don't remember. Where were you when you heard about it? Don't yeah. remember. What exactly did you see? Yeah. Like and that. even at that end point, when they get to the idea that she was, in fact, told she would be fired if she didn't quit, she had to kind of be forced into that. <laughs> because at first she was just like, I don't want to explain it. I don't want to say that. I wasn't necessarily told that. And they said, well, at the end, I was told that. Well, that's the problem. And so you would have even thought that the other side would have introduced that evidence first because they know it's there, yep. but they didn't. So I think she's going to be discredited in all likelihood tomorrow if she's not already. It's not a strong case for them. That's all they've got. Do you think it was smart that Fonnie Willis took the stand, chose to do it? At, when she first got on the stand, I wasn't so sure it was smart. But I actually thought that she was so raw in a way that it came across as very truthful, very credible. And it was powerful. And in some ways, I think what was happening is, as you described it, the optics were that she was on the stand, and then she flipped that back and said, I am not. Right. The case is the case. All right, all stay with me because our coverage continues here. Uh, one person we are learning, watching Fonnie Willis and her hearing very closely, is the Manhattan District Attorney. Our Paula Reed working horse, her sources, and she has some new details coming into out front. And the date is now set in Trump's hush money trial. That is now set to begin in just weeks. A verdict expected possibly this spring. And a crucial witness in the case, Michael Cohen, is going to be here with me tonight. Also, new details emerging about who police have in custody after the deadly mass shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration, as there is a vigil this hour honoring the victims. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Breaking news, the Fulton County District Attorney is back on the stand in just hours. Shafani Willis will be back in the morning in front of the judge who could make a ruling about whether Willis is disqualified from the case as early as next week. Now, look, a a ruling in in that way would have massive implications. It would set Georgia's uh, criminal trial for Trump back months or even longer. And one person who should be watching this hearing very closely is the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who right now has the first criminal trial for Trump on the calendar. Our chief legal correspondent, Paula Reed, is outside the courthouse here in New York, where a judge just ruled that Bragg's case will move forward, obviously, Paula, on March 25th. So what should Bragg be watching for? Well, Erin, of course, we were all watching today what was going on in Georgia. But for Bragg, it could be especially significant because in just a few weeks in the courthouse right behind me, he and lawyers for former President Trump will be selecting a jury for that first criminal case against the former president. Today, they were in court sparring with a judge about what they should be asking potential jurors political affiliation, what news they watch, any far-right groups they may be associated with. And Trump made it clear in court today that his defense is going to be that he has been targeted by politically motivated, corrupt prosecutors. Now, one of the problems for Bragg is that the Georgia case is the most similar to his. These are both state-level prosecutions brought by elected district attorneys, and they focus on allegations of election interference. So depending on what happens down in Georgia, even if Willis isn't disqualified, I mean, it's a messy situation. It is a spectacle. This could be something that he has to ask potential jurors about. Have you seen this? What do you know about it? What do you think of it? doesn't mean that he can't win his case, but this could be a factor in that difficult task of jury selection. And Aaron, it's just a reminder that what happens down in Georgia uh, has a ripple effect on these other cases, not only actually in the courtroom, but also in the court of public opinion, which is, of course, where candidate Trump is most worried. Absolutely. And 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 the, the forum that, that matters so much in all of these cases, too, for these juries. Paula, thank you very much. Paula, of course, in New York, uh, where that hearing was today. And of course, everyone's back with me now. So Daryl, as we've said, you know the judge here, you know Scott McAfee in the Georgia case. And now you've seen what we've seen today. Obviously, Fannie Willis will be back on the stand tomorrow. But do you think that that he's going to disqualify her from everything we heard today? 
If I were in Vegas, I would take odds of about a thousand to one that he will not disqualify her. And unlike Vegas, what stays in Georgia, what happens in Georgia, doesn't stay in Georgia. I don't see her being disqualified. What I do see is what happens tomorrow, what happened today, is going to be a microcosm of what's going to happen in the future. Fonny's office and Nathan Wade, if he stays, is going to be under a microscope. And this is not going to be the first and the last. It's going to be the first of many things that are unforeseen, and it's going to take on a life of its own. I don't know how we're going to make this go away. It's disappointing. I don't like the, any part of this. A trial is a trial. Facts are facts. And Fonny didn't make some of the right decisions, but what she said and how she testified was terrific today, regardless so, of what I may think either way. So, so Karen, the, the thing here, though, is that if she's disqualified, obviously that sets this back massively, and that is, that is, a, that is a huge decision. But even if she isn't, this is now out there in the ether, in the ether of public opinion, in the ether of a potential jury. How significant is that? Because maybe that was the very close second goal of the Trump team in pursuing this to begin with. Right. I mean, what we had today was a televised hearing, right? So the whole world could see this and could watch it and watch all these details, which doesn't typically happen, right? You're not going to see the same thing in the Manhattan DA case or right. federal cases, but it's unique to Georgia where they televise everything. And so you're right that potential jurors could have watched it and formed an opinion about the prosecution or about whether or not they believe Trump is being targeted, et cetera. And so it's just another point that I think the prosecutors in the Manhattan DA case will keep in mind when they're doing their voir dire and asking questions to make sure that they are still fair and impartial to, to both sides. So it's so hard, when, as Paul is going through all the questions, Laura, that they're going to be asking uh, such personal questions of potential jurors. Now, I know that the judge in Georgia, Laura, does have a reputation at times for ruling from the bench, as in making a very quick decision that is not anticipated in this case, they say perhaps as early as next week, to actually get a decision on Fonnie Willis. But when you watch the judge today, he did not hold back at times from admonishing both sides. Here he is. He never came there, okay? So if you don't Wells, come someplace, you can't live there. Ms. Wells, that's, I'm going to have to caution you. That's, that's going to be my the first time I have to caution you. We have to listen to the questions as asked. And if this happens again and again, I'm going to have no choice but to strike your testimony. Right, Mr. McDill, you can sit down now. I don't believe she answered that question, Your Honor. She answered as to specific individual gifts. And you're not listening to my answer either, so we're done. Very well. Very calm in how he handles it, Laura. But what do you think when you hear those admonishments? Do you think Bonnie Willis will be disqualified or not? I don't think they've met their burden of proof to disqualify her based on a, conf a conflict of interest that would go to whether the defendants could have a fair trial. But I do think what you saw was a judge who was increasingly impatient because you heard people being very redundant. Remember, there wasn't just the one attorney bringing the case. It was different defendants who then wanted to have their bite at the apple through their own defense counsel, trying to make sure that they had a chance to make their case as well. And so they had a lot of overlap. They were just tired of that. There was one moment in time when they were trying to establish prior inconsistent statements that Nathan Wade had made. And the judge essentially said, look, 
I get it. This now goes to the weight of the evidence, the volume, no longer about whether this in fact was inconsistent. So he seemed to have gotten it a great deal. But in terms of the, the, the risk here and the weight of all of this, Aaron, mm -hmm. it is not an easy decision. If they disqualify her, it's the whole team. A different, a different and subsequent prosecution team would have to be established who has no need or requirement to follow the indictment or anything else. Right, and that, I mean, at, at, at best would set it back dramatically. Ryan, you, you briefly mentioned, but I wanted to give you a chance to explain. Um, I know at first you weren't sure if Fannie Willis going on the stand was the right thing, and then you were say, noticed, of course, the, the incredible emotion that she showed, raw emotion, and was sort of like, all right, if you're going to be talking about my sex life, I'm going to get really personal. I'm going to just open it all up and talk to you. Do you think that that worked? I think it really did. I think she came across as totally human, and the rawness of it was genuine. <laughs> so I yeah. thought she seemed just credible. And when she was making statements about her life and explaining it, it came across about very About her father, strong. I mean, everything. About her father, why she uses cash, when she moved into a particular apartment, and the fact that nobody visited her because it was a lonely year, which actually t just takes out some of the allegations against her. I think it came across very strong at the end of the day because she came on there as herself. All right. Thank you all very much. And I want everyone to know, Laura, we'll be back tonight with Laura Coates live at 11. And out front next, Trump's historic first criminal trial date is set. It is just weeks away. The hush money trial is set to begin. And next, key witness Michael Cohen will join me. Does he have any doubt that Trump will be convicted in this case? Plus, police tonight revealing the deadly mass shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration appears to have been a dispute between several people. Tonight, Trump's first criminal trial is quickly approaching. Trump today admitting the quiet part out loud about his strategy in the New York hush money case, and frankly, in all of his cases. We want delays, obviously. I'm running for election. The New York case stems from Trump's payments to a porn star. And today, a judge refused Trump's effort to toss the case, setting a date for the trial to begin on March 25th, which, of course, is right in the middle of the election calendar, just a few weeks after Super Tuesday. According to the judge, the case could take about six weeks. So if Trump is convicted, that would happen possibly in May, right when Trump's classified documents trial, as of now, is set to begin. Out front now, a key witness in the New York hush money case, the former Trump attorney Michael Cohen. He is the author of Revenge, How Donald Trump Weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice Against His Critics. And he is now the host of two podcasts, Mea Culpa and Political Beatdown. All right, Michael, the trial right now... No delays, no throwing it out. Judge has said it's going ahead on March 25th. You're a key witness. So are you ready to once again be in the same room with Trump and to testify? Yeah, I had no problem the last time at the New York Attorney General's uh, case of being in the same room as Donald. I'm not the only one who has said this. I felt nothing. There's no intimidation by him. He's the one that's sitting at the defendant's desk not me. I'm just merely a witness and a subpoenaed witness. So I will be there because I'm under subpoena. Right. But not because you want to or you're eager to just go in. You're, you're going because you have to Nobody go. wants to do this. This isn't fun. Look at, for example, with Fannie Willis today. They get personal. They get nasty. And I expect mine to be as nasty, if not nastier, than the questions that were thrown at Fannie Willis today. So... When Trump walked into the hearing today, I just played him, but I'll quote him again. We want delays. Obviously, I'm running for election. 
Okay, everyone knows that's what they're trying it's to been do. Running but for three years now. So, do you have any doubt that he will be convicted in this case, in the hush money case in Stormy Daniels? So, knowing the cases, I do. This is a very simple case, and I agree judge, with Judge Mershon. This is not even a six-week case. I would say, at best, it would be a four-week case. Hmm. Um, my understanding is that on the Trump side, they only have one witness, and maybe there's ten on the. Uh, prosecution side, this case could and should be over in a month with a decision. And do you, uh, you know, have any question about whether he'll be convicted? Oh, I believe based upon the information that I know and based upon not just the documentary evidence, but the corroborating testimony from Mm -hmm. so many people, I believe that he will be found guilty on all charges. All right. So the nuts and bolts here, this is obviously the first case to go as we know, first phase to, case to move forward. So if Trump is convicted, it could be hugely significant. You know, the Monmouth poll that came out today showed that Trump wins the Republican nomination but is convicted of a crime before the uh, the party convention this summer, which would be the case in this case if he's convicted, right, because he'd already have enough delegates to be nominated, uh, but the convention wouldn't have happened. 58% of registered voters say he should be removed from the ballot. Only 38% say he should be on the ballot. But this case, Michael, is a challenging one. As many experts say, look, this could be the hardest one. Uh, Because in part of District Attorney Alvin Bragg himself and things he said when he was running for his job, he infamously said this. It'd be hard to argue with the fact that that'd be the most important, uh, most high-profile case. Uh, And I've seen him up front and seen the lawlessness that he can do. And you believe it should happen? Yeah, I, be, I believe we have to hold him accountable. Uh, the, the, the he is Trump. Yes. Okay. Does that have a cause problems? Why Make it that... possible that this case backfires. Right. Voters say, well, that guy was biased to begin with, and it taints the case. Why would that be a disqualifying factor? The jury of Donald's peers will make the determination, not Alvin Bragg. It's merely his office that brought the case. They brought the case based upon legitimate illegal actions, illegal behavior done by Donald. So it's going to be a trial, no different than if it was you, me, or anybody. And as a result, the decision will be in the hands of the jurors, not in the hands of Alvin Bragg. So I don't think it makes a difference at all. Do you, do you think it's possible, though? I mean, 91 indictments... Every single time, it appears Trump's poll numbers go up. That even though people say if he's convicted, that they wouldn't be okay with that. That that he may be able to sway the court of public opinion. And in this case, you know, claim bias. And lo and behold, they say they wouldn't vote for him, but they would. So you know me. I don't believe in the polls. I've no, I know. <laughs> I've, I know. You've I've had, had my healthy my, skepticism. Right. I have very healthy skepticism when it comes to these polls. And proof positive is just look at all of the special elections. Look at what we just went through in District 3. Look at what one uh, took right. place in Swazi. Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, these are Democrats that are winning. I do believe that at the end of the day, Americans, whether Republican, Democrat, or Independent, care more about democracy over autocracy. Mm-hmm. They want less chaos, and they want more from our politicians acting on behalf of all America, not on behalf of just one guy. And I think that that's where the poll showed and why Democrats won yet again. 
And, and it was obviously was a significant win. Now, a defense attorneys for Trump brought up your testimony today in the last civil fraud case. According to a, tr- a court transcript, tr- Trump's attorney said, how can we possibly go to trial when there's a witness, referring to you, who committed perjury two months ago across the street? This office should be investigating him. Now, we do understand that the district attorney's office is investigating Alan Weisselberg, former CFO of Trump work. Obviously, you know him well, uh, for perjury in the same trial. Have you had any discussions with anyone in the DA's office about perjury? No. No. And just because Donald says something doesn't mean that it's factual. There is no perjury. Uh, The statements that they made the second that they went running out in order to, oh, we won our case. We won our case. No, you didn't. And even the judge acknowledged that what they were saying is inaccurate. They took one sentence out of like a 55 page document. Right. And instead of Instead of providing the additional information on that one sentence, they only wanted to use that one sentence to prove their case. A a piece of sand doesn't make a beach. And that's what Trump's attorneys are trying to do here. All right, Michael Cohen, thank you very much. It's always good to see you. And of course, we know you'll be uh, testifying again soon. And next, Kansas City police have two people in custody, but who actually fired the shots during the mass shooting at the Chiefs Super Bowl celebration? I'm going to speak to a man who was shot along with his wife and child, all shot, what he saw just before the gunman opened fire. Plus an update to CNN's investigation into a fertility doctor who allegedly duped multiple women by impregnating them with his sperm, which led to one woman's daughter actually sleeping with her half-brother. Will lawmakers help? The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Tonight, CNN Learning investigators are looking closely at bullets and shell casings from the fatal shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration. Police recovering several firearms from the scene, and they're trying to determine which guns were used in the shooting and who fired the shots. Two teenagers are currently in custody. And in just a moment, I'm going to speak with a father who was shot. His wife also shot. His 13-year-old son also shot. All three are out of the hospital and recovering. But first, Whitney Wilde is out front with the latest on this investigation. A day after a Kansas City Super Bowl rally erupted in gunfire, new details are emerging about the people being held by police and the terrifying moments that led to one person killed and more than 20 hurt, including half of them children. All units, they killed her on the west side, shooter in place. Kansas City police say Wednesday's shooting was the result of a personal dispute in the area, not an attack of terror on the celebration. Preliminary investigative findings have shown there was no nexus to terrorism or homegrown violent extremism. KCPD detained three people, including two juveniles. The third person was let go after police determined there was no connection to the shooting. Law enforcement also recovered several firearms. We have nine gunshot wounds to the right. The 22 victims age range between 8 years old and 47 years old. At least half of our victims are under the age of 16. Lisa Lopez Galvin, a local DJ and mother of two, was tragically shot and killed. 
She's remembered by the radio station she volunteered at as an amazing person who gave so much to KKFI and the KC community. Lisa leaves behind an incredible legacy. She comes from a very large family of civic leaders, uh, actively and regularly engaged in both the Latino community of Kansas City. To her friends and family, We are with you, and we are working tirelessly to investigate her murder. Witnesses recalled the chaotic scene Wednesday where an estimated one million people gathered in celebration of the Kansas City Chiefs back-to-back -back Super Bowl wins. And all of a sudden, pop, and we were like, holy cow, what was that? And then all the cops come running out of the building. They were running in the building at first, now they're running out of the building, and then they tell us to go, go, go. It's nothing, something you want to be in, never. There are several accounts of Chiefs players and personnel comforting fans amidst the mayhem, including cornerback Legereus Sneed. He told ESPN he was surrounded by children while seeking shelter in a basement. I try to comfort them in that situation, just tell them everything is okay, you know, just rubbing their back and just be like, everything's going to be fine. Right there trying to celebrate, you know, something, a big accomplishment for us, and you know, we just tried to celebrate it with them, and for that to happen, it's very tragic. Aaron, we're here at a vigil for Lisa Lopez Galvin, as well as the other people who were injured in this tragic shooting. A, a very close friend of hers just spoke and said that they are hoping for uh, the public to give their prayers to this family, that that would be so appreciated. Justice, obviously, so crucial in this moment. Law enforcement still working through the evidence, as you mentioned. Uh, the ballistics are very critical to this investigation. A, a law enforcement source tells CNN's Josh Campbell that they are continuing to uh, work through that, figure out which guns might have been used and if there are any other guns that are still outstanding, meaning uh, trying to figure out if there are any other people involved who might be at large. Aaron. All right, Whitney, thank you very much at that vigil in Kansas City tonight. And Jacob, Jacob Gooch joins us now. Jacob was shot along with his wife and his 13-year-old son at the Super Bowl rally. And uh, Jacob, look, I, I honestly, it's hard to have words. You go to this to celebrate and this horrific thing and trauma happens to your family. I'm so glad that you're out of the hospital, your family's out of the hospital. And I want people to know what you went through. Bones in your foot are broken because you were shot. Your son has a bullet still lodged in his foot. Your wife was shot in her calf. How are all of you even feeling right now? It's, it's, it's just mind-blowing. It's crazy. I mean, it's expressing the feelings in words is just near impossible right now. Um, but, I mean, it's just it's scary. It's, it's, you can't even fathom something like this happening to you. You know it happens, but you never expect it to happen to you, you know? Yeah. It's just it, crazy. It, there, there are no words. Uh, so as you're trying to even process what happened and now you're recovering and, and of course dealing with your young child and I, I can only imagine how that is for you and your wife. Um, you were standing on the left side of the stage and you see a group of people dressed in black in the crowd. And I know then, Jacob, that you got sort of a bad feeling. So can you try to explain what you saw, what you heard, before the shooting actually started? I mean, I'm, I don't want to get too, I accidentally mentioned that in an interview earlier, and I don't want to get too involved with the, uh, my suspicions on the people dressed in black because I don't know who it was. Right. But, you know, um, as we were walking out, the, what I'd seen was a lady, oh, I didn't see, but I heard a lady saying to a man, not now, this isn't the place. And then the gunshots, then the gunshots went off. 
and I didn't know that they were gunshots. I thought I was looking for fireworks. So I'm looking down. And I feel the debris flying up at me and then I'm hit mm. and I look at it and smoke's coming out of my ankle. And I'm still thinking fireworks as people are rushing towards me. Oh my God. And I turn to try to leave and I go straight down, try to crawl out of there. Oh, I mean, Army crawl. I can't even imagine you look down and to, to see that it's uh, whether you even felt disembodied or what, and then your wife and your child, uh, your, your son, and then your daughter actually saw a gunman firing. So, so when did you realize that, that, that others in your family were hit? Oh man. I, I, I mean like, okay. So as I was crawling up, realizing I've just been shot, uh, a couple of people came up to me, you know, saying what's going on. I told them I'm hit, get down, get away. And my girl came up to me at that point. And I told her I was hit and she said, you know, I'm hit. Where's our son? You know, where's our kids? And I didn't find out my other son had been hit till we got to the hospital and got the x-ray. Cause he just had a tiny cut on the bottom of his foot. We assumed from losing his Crocs and running around with socks on, but it was a bullet. Mm bullet that I, I understand is still still lodged there. Jacob, thank yes, you so much for, for talking. I know words don't yet exist for you to even express mm -hmm. or explain this. I, I hope that talking about it is is helpful, but my thoughts are with you and, and your wife and, and your boy. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate that. And my prayers are to everybody that was involved in this. All right, Jacob, thank you. And next, You're welcome. Have a good night. All right, you too. And after this, an update to the woman who discovered she was actually dating her half-brother after a fertility doctor allegedly impregnated women with his sperm and didn't tell them. Tonight, that woman went to Washington to share her story, to advocate for others. How did lawmakers respond? And now an out-front update. So we told you about a woman who discovered through a DNA test that her high school boyfriend was actually her half-brother. He's just one of more than 20 known half-siblings now. Her family accusing a fertility doctor of inseminating her mother with his own sperm instead of sperm from an anonymous donor, not telling her. And tonight, that woman is meeting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill, urging them to pass a bill that would make fertility fraud illegal. Kyung Law is back with the story out front. H.R. 451. So this is the federal fertility fraud bill that is victim-led. For this group of advocates pushing for a federal law, can come to Canada. This day on Capitol Hill isn't just meetings, it's personal. I mean, I'll just put it out there. I mean, I, I was intimate with my half-brother. But you didn't know. We didn't know. Yeah. Victoria Hill is talking about her high school boyfriend. This, I think, was junior year. Obviously, you're dating here. Yeah. Victoria didn't learn the truth until decades later, when she took a commercially available DNA test and discovered dozens of half-siblings Victoria never knew existed, including her high school boyfriend. He texted me, and it was a screenshot of the 23andMe connection, and it said, you are my sister. What? <laughs> We're siblings? All tracing to one biological father, Dr. Burton Caldwell, Victoria's mother's fertility doctor from the 1980s who used his sperm instead of a donor's. Are you going to go boom? My children have 41 first cousins that we know of, most which are local. So how many could there be? All connected to Dr. Caldwell. 
Yeah. Her life, the result of alleged fertility fraud. People who have perpetrated fertility fraud, they don't practice reproductive medicine. They're predators. These three members of Congress are among four dozen who have signed on to the legislation with plans to head to the Senate. I'm incredibly thankful for you all and your stories because I think that lends validity to what we're trying to do. Uh, not for one second did I ever think when I went through my IVF journey that um, something like that could have possibly happened. I thought that uh, there was already legislation in place. To have, you know, my story all over national television is, is kind of terrible. However, knowing that it's actually doing something, it's actually making meaning and we're actually using it to push legislation has been huge. Even if this proposed legislation eventually becomes law, Victoria knows that this may not affect Dr. Caldwell because he is quite elderly and he is ill. She's doing this for other people, Aaron. And as far as Dr. Caldwell, well, we did go visit him at his Connecticut home. He did not want to talk, and his attorney had no comment. Aaron? Young, thank you so much. It would be incredible, though. Gosh, if you could prevent those things from happening again, that would be doing good in the world. All right, Kyung, thank you so much. And thanks so much to all of you, as always, for being with us. AC360 begins now. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.